Welcome to another edition of Our Street. Lynn Fisher here for Runnings. So we are enjoying a very, very nice day here today, and we have a guest that uh, hopefully she's able to enjoy the way of municipalities here in Nebraska. So how are you today, Lynn? Very well, thank you. Now, your office is here in Lincoln, is that correct? Yes, it is. Uh, the League is a nonprofit organization. We were organized in the late 1800s, and the purpose of which was to advocate for local control and to try to afford local governments, and specifically municipalities in the state, cities and villages, the opportunity to effectively serve citizens. Well, that sounds like a big job. <laughs> so, Well, there's good news, bad news. It seems like it's never-ending. Uh, the Nebraska Supreme Court uh, for, oh my gosh, since the late 1800s, has interpreted our Constitution to indicate that Nebraska, where municipalities are precluded in statute from doing certain things, in Nebraska, a city or village has to actually find, and a county too for that matter, has to actually find authority that's either expressed, implied, or necessary to effectuate their corporate powers in state statute. So we have a legislative package that goes in every year, but we do spend most of our time fighting bills that would take power away from local governments. Well, I think everyone uh, should agree in Nebraska, and especially here in Lincoln, that we want to have as much local control as possible. Can you... Uh, Tell us a little bit about the struggles that we've had most recently, or maybe give us a history of the organization's efforts through the years to try and help municipalities, Lincoln in particular. Maybe you can re relate some of the, the stories about uh, what you've been involved with personally on, on, on how you've been able to, uh, to effectuate your goals. Well, I've been with the League since 1975. I started there as a law clerk and then became full-time in 1978. And throughout the years... What we have tried to do again is to afford local governments like Lincoln, the city of Lincoln, the authority to do things on the local level. And, of course, in, under our Constitution, that means that they've got to have statutory authority, authority that's granted in state law by state senators. So we work with Lincoln and have worked with them closely, continue to, uh, to enable the city to do the kinds of things that they need to do. Uh, whether it's something that would be the enabling legislation that underscored the arena in the city of Lincoln. Right now we're working on another arena bill that will also benefit the city of Lincoln in as much as it will uh, afford the city an opportunity to basically use some of those funds for capital improvements for the arena, which is really important, and also with the Omaha Arena, too. So we're working with them on the arena bill. The league also works with them closely on any, frankly, all issues involving municipal governments. I think one of the most significant things that the league has worked closely with and provided a leadership role when it came to the city of Lincoln involved the use of local option sales tax. When I first started with the league, there were four cities that had local option sales tax. That is a voter-approved proposal. In other words, in order for a municipality in the state of Nebraska to have local option sales tax, commonly referred to as city sales tax, that goes to the vote of the people. And in Nebraska, and in particular in Lincoln, we voted for that even recently to add an additional one-quarter percent uh, with a sunset on it for the purpose of, of taking care of our public safety system and our radio system. Uh, and also dealing with a fire hall, as you may remember. So that's one element of it. But over the years, in the state of Nebraska, Lincoln went from getting authority for a half cent to a full cent to a cent and a half, and with passage of LB 357 in 2012, 
to go to a full two cents. Lincoln is not at a full two cents. Lincoln is at one and a half percent. And then just recently, uh, within the last year, we voted for an additional quarter percent for that radio system. The reason why local option sales tax, Kurt and Lynn, is so important is it is the single most effective way in which municipalities have been able to lower and keep their property tax rates down. That is significant because in the state of Nebraska, uh, the state of Nebraska, according to the Tax Modernization Committee report, which was a 2013 study done by the Nebraska Revenue Committee, which mirrored, in, in essence, the Syracuse study of 1987, but essentially what came out of that is that the state of Nebraska ranks 47th in providing aid to all local governments and 49th in providing aid to schools. And by aid, we're talking about money from the state of Nebraska to offset property tax exemptions that were granted by prior legislatures. With the TIOSA aid, which is referred to commonly as school aid, there's a little bit different, it's much broader. The state of Nebraska, as you know, has a constitutional obligation to provide for funding for education. The state of Nebraska has no constitutional obligation when it comes to municipalities, counties, NRDs, community colleges, and so forth. So essentially, with, with local option sales tax, and the league has worked, and this is over a period of years, to increase the local sales tax rate, the authority for people in, in Lincoln to vote, as in other cities across the state and villages, to vote as to whether or not we want to offset property taxes, whether or not we want to use part of our sales tax for the purpose of not just offsetting property tax, but in Lincoln recently, again, uh, for the purpose of providing a radio system that's going to work along with um, mm -hmm. a fire hall and that kind of thing. Other cities across the state, of which there are hundreds that have adopted a local option sales tax with local voter approval, they use it for local economic development programs. They use it for specifically, in some instances, a swimming pool, some instances a library, uh, specific kinds of projects. In, uh, in almost every city, however, there's always a component of property tax reduction. Lincoln, compared to other cities, um, you know, our tax levy is significantly lower than uh, the, the maximum amount, which is the maximum amount levy that municipalities are allowed in this state is 45 cents per $100 evaluation, plus an additional five cents for interlocal agreements. And I think it's really important to know that um, when you look at this kind of thing, that, um, that basically the state of Nebraska, um, unlike other states, really has not uh, provided aid to local governments. And in fact, the executive summary of the Tax Modernization Committee made it very clear that in their recommendations that providing aid to local governments would be the single most important thing they can do. Uh, to try to reduce property taxes in this state. And as you know, there are two bills that the governor had introduced this session, one by Senator Glor in the Revenue Committee, one by Senator Kate Sullivan, a chair of the Education Committee. Mike Glor is the chair of the Revenue Committee. And with respect to 958 and 959, they're both there, and both certainly 958 deals with imposing and putting on additional restrictions, serious restrictions, uh, even more than we already have on municipalities, counties, NRDs, and community colleges. The league strongly opposed that, and we did that because right now we have got cities that are truly suffering because of what was done in 1996. There are 529 cities and villages in the state of Nebraska. We got the Metropolitan class, which is Omaha, primary class meaning Lincoln. Cities of the first class, those are cities with a population of 5,000 and up. Cities of the second class, population roughly 800 to 5,000. And then we have 380 villages. Of those, 
we have 233 of our 529 cities in this state that are up against the maximum levy limit of 45 cents. What that means is there are hundreds of those that cannot even levy what is allowed now for the 2.5% on restricted funds over the prior year. In other words, you get 2.5% more funds than you got the prior year. That's essentially what that means. So, in essence, uh, you know, we've had some serious issues that have faced the state. Back in the 1990s, Senator Warner, Jerry Warner, was then the chair of the Revenue Committee. And at that time, what his, what his emphasis was is that there were places in the state of Nebraska that were not paying enough in property taxes. There were other places in the state paying too much. And so he thought having uniform levy rates would be uh, basically kind of a, have a leveling effect. So the legislature in 1996 passed two bills, which were land, basically landmark legislation, which had, in many cases, a devastating effect on local governments and services provided to citizens in this state. One was LB 1114. That required municipalities, and I will speak just for municipalities in particular, to go from what was for first-class cities, those are cities like Columbus, Grand Island, Bellevue, cities with a population of 5,000 and up, those cities had to go from 87.5 cents per $100 evaluation down to 45 cents. Frankly, and Lincoln Omaha had to do the same. It really, on the levy side, really didn't have that much bearing on us as citizens in Lincoln because the city of Lincoln, because of local option sales tax, is at a much, much lower rate. And so they're not even close to their 45 cents. In contrast, the hundreds of second-class cities and villages, those are cities with a population of between 800, uh, 100 to 800 for villages, 805,000 for cities in the second class, they went from $1.05 per $100 evaluation to $0.45 cents in two years they were required to do it. The bill took effect in 1998. When you go in, in every, not just some of them, every second-class city village in this state was already at $1.05. And that's because when you buy a fire truck in a small city, you take Exeter, you, you buy a fire truck, you buy an ambulance, you're going to be, it's going to weigh put you over. And so there were voter-approved bonds and other reasons why those cities were that high. Also, a very small base. When you have a very few number of people paying it, you're going to be paying more, per se. So in any event, those small cities went from $1.05 to $0.45 cents in a matter of two years. Uh, it really had a devastating impact on law enforcement in the state, public safety issues, certainly infrastructure. Uh, for cities like Lincoln, their concerns were and continue to be. And this larger cities, which I'm going to put as the first-class cities above 5,000, Lincoln and Omaha, were then and are now the lid on restricted funds. And that means basically you get 2.5% more than the prior year, whatever constitutes the base of restricted funds, which is essentially everything except capital improvements, bonds, uh, sinking mm -hmm. funds and that sort of thing. So in any event, the history of property tax in this state has been such that it is not a surprise that we have a rate that is higher and that the state of Nebraska relies more on property taxes than almost any state. Uh, and that is because unlike other states, their legislatures have in fact replaced exemptions granted to prior interest groups, to special interest groups by prior legislatures. Mm -hmm. And again, just to emphasize this, we're 49th in school aid. That means the amount of money the state of Nebraska provides to our local school districts. We are 47th in overall aid to other local governments like cities, 
counties, NRDs, community colleges. And when I mean that, I'm, we're talking the bottom of the barrel. We're talking, we're right there with Mississippi. I mean, <laughs> I, it, it's just pretty sad. Wow. So, in essence, now, on top of that, please note that the legislature, to try to address this issue in the past, they put in place a property tax credit so that you and I each get a check uh, for a certain amount of funds. And there, for FY 15-16 and also 16-17, the legislature appropriated a $202 million in that fund. And that goes directly to us as property taxpayers uh, in a certain amount. You may remember that we all got a yellow card uh, indicating how much it was for us or at least to make sure that we were aware that we're getting that. But fundamentally, when the legislature over a period of years has granted exemptions on property taxes to special groups, I'm going to give you one example. And See, I think, Kurt, uh, you and I spoke about this before. And, and, and this is what I was really wanting wanting to oh. ha- have you also address. So I'm glad that you're just diving right into this, you know, talking about, you know, it's our tax base was, you know, I'm holding my hands wide was this big and through a series of actions, you know, that has you know, affected the ability for the state then to provide funding to not only cities, but also schools, which then puts all that pressure on those local local um, uh, local taxes, you know, county taxes. So so uh, please, please go ahead. Well, basically, let me give you one example. Um, essentially, the legislature, and this is and this is not unique to Nebraska. Other states did this, too. What is unique is Nebraska didn't reimburse local governments for the tax base loss. But let's let's take one bill. Um and combine it with another one that happened back in 1967, a bill passed to eliminate household goods and intangibles from the property tax base. So to give you an idea of that, and that was in these, and I'm not, by the way, being critical of the exemption. I am seriously concerned about the fact that Nebraska ranks so low, bottom of the barrel, and in terms of what our legislature does in reimbursing local governments for the property tax base lost. Would, would that so be... 1967, household goods and intangibles, that would be stocks and bonds, uh, that would be, it used to be in the old days, you guys are probably both too young to remember this. Uh, <laughs> well, frankly, I may I not remember, be. I, I don't even remember this. <laughs> and I'm pretty old. So basically, the, the assessor used to actually come into your house and look at your couch, your other personal effects, and put a, a value on it. So basically, back in 1967, they eliminated uh, household goods and intangibles. They called that the governmental subdivision fund. They put $12.6 million to partially reimburse local governments. They lost a whole lot more money than that in actual dollars, but to partially do it. But the big one, one of the many big ones, started in 1972. Uh, the legislature passed LB 12, 1241, and that gave a one-eighth exemption over a period of five years, so exempted five-eighths of livestock, farm equipment, business inventory. Huge exemptions. <clears throat> livestock, farm equipment, business inventory. And in 1978, they passed LB 518, to exempt the remaining part of it, of the remaining three-eighths that were left. And then the legislature, on that, recognizing that that would cost local governments $250 million of actual revenue. That's not valuation lost. That's actual revenue that they Mm. lost. And that's back in 1972? And that's in 1978. 78. We're going to, Lynn, need to take a a quick break here. And so we'll be back here in just a couple of minutes. So welcome back to Our Street. Uh, Lynn Fisher here with Kurt Elder, and we're having a great conversation with Lynn Rex, and she is the executive director of the League 
of municipalities, and uh, she has a lot to tell us about the history of taxation in uh, in Nebraska and how it affects Lincoln in particular. And it's been interesting. Yeah, and and so so before the break, uh, Lynn, you were telling us about uh, legislation through the through the course of years, and and I think the last one you mentioned was 1978, and with all these exemptions, uh, if I understand correctly. The pressure has been put on cities of all sizes, particularly the small ones, but even Lincoln suffers with um, uh, constraints on what we're able to do in terms of um, local taxation and local control. Can you uh, continue that conversation? And I'd like, I'd like to know, uh, as you've told us so far what, what, what the problems are, what does the league and what do you propose to try and make make this a better system so that um, we right. have more local control. And, and, and just also tag into that is that uh, if there's questions that we should be asking our local candidates that we are going to be interviewing, things that you would find it interesting. I think those two are uh, germane to each other. Yeah. So uh, what I'm going to love to keep learning from you. So all yours. Great. Thank you. Well, as we left off, we were talking about the exemptions back in 1978 that started in 1972 for livestock, farm equipment, and business inventory. And this is just one example of what's occurred in the state and why we had a very broad property tax base, which is now a very narrow property tax base. So back even in 1978, uh, there were senators saying, oh my gosh, if the legislature does not provide dollar for dollar reimbursement, this is going to end up on residential homeowners. And everyone's going to be yelling and screaming about, oh my gosh, why are our property tax rates so high? So local governments at that time were, were told, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to give you a dollar for dollar reimbursement for the tax base we're taking away from you. It never happened. Uh, we lost $250 million to local governments. And that dollar-for-dollar dollar reimbursement, Senator, uh, then, Governor, then Governor Jim Exon, who later became a U.S. Senator, he was a great governor and a great senator, but he said, hey, we can't afford that as a state, so we're going to limit that to $70 million. And then, of course, over a period of years, that was totally eliminated. And in, uh, in 2011, the legislature totally eliminated what was the remaining part of that for cities and counties and NRDs. Um, in fact... At most, the, the, the most the city ever, the most the state of Nebraska ever gave to municipalities was 17.9 million. We lost when you put when you put an, an inflation factor on that, hundreds of millions. So it, it's you can see when you put all of this in a much much bigger picture, why it is that when our state has not reimbursed mm-hmm. local governments for the tax base loss, it has ended up on the property on the side and on the burden on the property taxpayer. Um, and that, that's why when these studies, the legislature commissioned two studies, one in 1987 with Syracuse, called the Syracuse Report, one in 2013. And in both cases, they came back and said, if you, and this is you asked, what our recommendation is as a league, mm-hmm. first and foremost, to do what, what both of these independent uh, consultants have recommended. And, of course, realizing these consultants don't have a dog in this fight. Their job, these are national consultants. They are. Uh, they know what they've compared the state of Nebraska to other states. They know what other states are doing. They advise other states. They're consultants, so they're not here trying with, to try to have any agenda. But in their executive summary, I'm just going to read you number nine on page 15 of their executive summary. Hmm. The primary option for reducing property taxes use recommended by the Syracuse study was increased aid to local governments, emphasizing equalization aid for local governments, meaning need-based. This was to supplement the then-existing aid programs, which had been implemented to offset loss of property tax capacity from prior exemptions. The recommendation was implemented only in part. The pre-existing aid programs 
which Syracuse recommended retaining, had been repealed. And that's what happened uh, back in 2011 when they repealed all of this uh, with, uh, when Dave Heineman was governor. It was his bill to do it. Um, so in any event, when you ask what should you be asking candidates, first of all, let me just give this disclaimer. The League, again, is a nonprofit organization. I have a 15-member board, elected board with uh, both the mayors of Lincoln and Omaha on it, and they, they're always on it under our bylaws. As you know, the mayor, Gene Stother, is a Republican. Mayor Chris Beitler is a Democrat. I don't even, frankly, know what my other board members are. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, my board's position is we play with whoever wins. I'm not allowed to go to a fundraiser for a candidate, or we do not endorse candidates. So the only fundraisers I can go to are fundraisers for diseases. I understand why. The board's position is we are there as a nonpartisan group representing and advocating for local control. And frankly, if I can be so bold, Please for the do. most part, we represent the citizens. For the most part, we're saying citizens ought to have the right to vote on this issue, that issue. Citizens ought to have the right to elect their representatives on a local level to decide what should be done on certain relevant issues. It should not be mandated from the state of Nebraska, and especially not mandated without funds. Because this all ties into, there are two major elements that come into play. One is the tax base, which has not been reimbursed by the state, that's been taken away on the property tax side. And again, not, not arguing that those exemptions uh, were not legitimate exemptions. They were then, they are now. But the state of Nebraska, again, has not done what other states have done. So no great surprise to anyone that, in fact, we have property tax rates that are higher when you look at the fact that we are ranking 47th in overall aid to local governments and 49th in state aid to, to school districts. That being said, um, I guess one of the questions I would be asking candidates is, do you believe in providing more aid to local governments to offset the property tax rate? Lynn, Lynn, You're going to find that some senators okay. and some candidates will say, well, we think we'd rather give it back to you directly, give it back to taxpayers directly through the property tax credit. That's why they set up the property tax credit fund. You will hear an argument from some senators that, oh, my gosh, if we give back to local governments, well, they'll just spend it. Well, there's, there are caps. There are levy limits. There are things that right now, even without 958, which we hope does not pass with the levy limits and the additional restrictions on lids, which basically would stop economic development in its tracks in the state of Nebraska and result in a deterioration of infrastructure in this state. So we hope that doesn't happen. But no matter what happens this session, the fact is that at some point, candidates are going to have to, and senators are going to have to face the issue of, okay, are we going to address the property tax issue? If we are, there are a couple of ways of doing that. Yes, you can put more money in the property tax credit fund and give a check directly back to the property taxpayer. Senators think that that way, that that gets the money right in your pocket, and you're going to be more appreciative of that. The other way to do it, of course, is to increase the aid to local governments so that they're not dependent uh, on the property tax dollar as they are now. And one of the things I do want, I just think we're so fortunate in Lincoln that we have had um, a local government that's just been on top of what they need to do to keep our rates as low as possible. I mean, again, we've got a maximum levy rate of 0.45 cents. Lincoln is at 0.19. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. Uh, yes, it is. And, and that's because the city has to. been very conservative. And notwithstanding what citizens in the city of Lincoln may hear, the city of Lincoln has historically been one of the most conservative uh, cities in the state in terms of how they have done their financing, what they've done, how they've done it. And again, 
the major, major projects in this city had been voter approved. On the arena, we didn't vote for the arena per se. What we voted for was a certain piece of that. But literally, you couldn't swing a cat in the city of Lincoln without knowing from Chris Beitler, no, Mayor Beitler. Uh, uh, and the city council, if you do, th- if you vote for this, you're voting for the arena. Oh, yeah. So, no, yeah. Hey, Lynn, uh, yeah. I, 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 no, I know that you're trying to get one, one of the last few questions within, within our last. Can you believe that we only have like three minutes left? This has gone so fast. And just for a quick uh, comparison for our um, listeners out there, it's that $250 million back in, uh, what is that, uh, 1972, 1972-78. 19, that, that is roughly, at uh, today's value, that's about $916 million. Just, just reference. And so, Lynn, I'm going well, to let you finish with your last question. One last question, and, and Lynn, I'll let you answer this. But um, So if I understand correctly, your recommendation is for the state to uh, reinstate so to speak, uh, local uh, support through uh, aid based on need for each municipality. Is that correct? Yes. So, so just, let, me, let me just follow up with how does that, I guess, if the state's in charge of then doling out additional aid based on need as they perceive it, I mean, that doesn't seem like local control, but go ahead and answer the question. We have about two minutes. Okay. Okay. In terms of local control, Certainly, um, the local control element is that the cities have the authority to determine how to spend it. That's what the local control piece is. Uh, right now, what we have is the local control to figure out how to continue struggling along, knowing that the property taxpayer would like to have relief and that the state of Nebraska is, is the lowest of states, not just surrounding us, in the nation in terms of providing that kind of aid. The other thing I would, the other important question I would ask any candidate or a current senator is, what are your thoughts on, on giving mandates to local governments without providing the additional funding? Because this has been an ongoing issue as well, both on the federal level, certainly, and on the state level. In other words, we're going to mandate this program, that program, you do this, you do that. And, oh, by the way, we're not giving you a dime for it. Well, I know so, in Lincoln, uh, just real quickly, because we're going to have to wrap it up here, but uh, we have, for example, a local entity that's state uh, um, um state, uh, I guess, approved in a way, and that's the housing authority who grows and grows and grows each year, taking more and more uh, property off the tax rolls. And uh, so the taxpayers of Lincoln are supporting a state mandated mandated program. That's just one example. But I just want to say to Lynn Rex, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this point of view and and helping Kurt and I out here with questions we're going to be asking candidates as we go forward here in the uh, political season. And so uh, thanks again for coming on. Good luck to you and your efforts. And uh, now that I understand more about what you do, I'm going to follow it. Yeah, I know. And I I think that, you know, just this listening and learning then from your historical context, uh, not only from what you've lived, but from also what you've you know, listened and gleaned from others, uh, I feel more informed, and I feel that our that our listeners are also going to be more more informed as well. So, Lynn, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck to you, and and thanks to our listeners for staying tuned uh, one more time for our street, and we'll see you and uh, hear you uh, next week. Come back. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for for listening. And Absolutely. Having me on. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye.